This podcast has been brought to you with the support of Wise, the account that helps you manage your money all around the world. With a Wise account, you can send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. Whether you're traveling through Asia, freelancing in France, or buying that dream property in Oz, Wise is the easy way to connect all your finances internationally. You can even send money home to mum in minutes. Join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com. Hello, I'm Damien Venuto. It's July 25th and this is The Front Page, a daily podcast presented by the New Zealand Herald. New Zealand's net migration has been negative since March 2021. In the year to April, 8,500 more people left than arrived, keeping pressure on businesses already battling with a major labour shortage. Hospitals, schools, restaurants, hotels, banks and tech companies have been calling on the government to relax immigration settings. But will the government listen? And how bad do things have to become for changes to occur? Today, I'm joined by Newstalk ZB Deputy Political Editor Jason Walls for a discussion about loosening the restrictions around Fortress New Zealand. Jason, businesses desperate for staff have been crying out for months for help from the government. What have business owners been telling you and the broader media about their concerns? Well, I mean, you can even take a step back from there, walking along the streets of Auckland, walking along the streets of Wellington, seeing just A4 pieces of paper and businesses' windows saying, we're closed today due to staff shortages. Now, of course, a lot of that comes down to COVID. A lot of that comes down to the isolation requirements as well. But at the end of the day, there's just not a lot of skilled people coming to New Zealand. We need more Everybody says this. This is not something that is even new today or this year or this this side of this century. It's been happening for a long time. And I note that every time Adrian Orr, the Reserve Bank governor, has hiked the official cash rate, he's talked about the need for skilled employees to come to New Zealand. So it is a, a critical issue that um, the opposition has been talking about for some time. We've got businesses talking about it for some time. In fact, ANZ boss Antonia Watson, actually, when she was in Australia a couple of weeks ago, was calling on the government, hey, you need to step up and do more. We need more flexible immigration. So it's it's all over the sector. Every type of business is really crying out for workers and it's in retail, it's in hospitality, it's in construction, it's in trades, logistics, you name it. It's just really widespread. You know, the challenge for these businesses is there is so much demand, but they simply can't meet it because they don't have the workers available. Jason, just picking up those comments from the ANZ boss, has there been any suggestion from the government that the rules could be relaxed to some degree? Well, the government's talked about this for quite some time, and in terms of any tangible big differences that they're going to make, it doesn't look like a big amount is going to change for average people coming in from overseas. We did hear um, earlier this week about these new category visa rules around investments. And so if somebody is a cashed up investor wanting to get into New Zealand, the rules have been changed around what the money needs to go to. Um, For example, you will now, you'll be more okayed if your investments are going through to high growth New Zealand companies. And these are handpicked by the New Zealand Trade and Enterprises, which is a division of the government. So if you're a cashed up investor and you've got some money to burn, 
if the price to New Zealand is investing in a, a company that the government has deemed okay, then absolutely, why wouldn't you do that? But in terms of other categories and other people, you know, there's been some tinkering around the edges, but people like Erica Stanford, who's Nationals immigration spokesperson, has been hammering the government on more that needs to be done in this area. The government has long spoken about COVID presenting an opportunity for a great immigration reset of policy. What changes have been put into effect and are any of them working? Um, well, I mean, with COVID, it's always going to be tough, right? Especially with the government, they started with the borders closed and then open and then closed and then open. And, you you know, we can be cynical about this, but a lot of people will say, you know, you can't blame the government on this one because at the end of the day, if we have a country that's completely ravaged by a disease, no one is going to be wanting to come here regardless of any of the changes. So time will tell to see um, what the government will be doing on this issue. But I think COVID is just the ultimate spanner in the works. And, you know, we could have been having a conversation a couple of weeks ago about how the government could be looking to open up more and provide more opportunities for immigration. However, now we're seeing this um, new spike of COVID-19. A lot of people are getting gun shy. There's a lot of events being canceled. So some might argue this is not the right time to be looking towards opening the immigration system. I would disagree with that, but I'm not the one making the call at the end of the day. The government has long emphasised the need to attract highly skilled workers to New Zealand, but we are now seeing that those low-wage workers are also essential in their own right. There's no one available to do those jobs. So is there maybe an argument to be made for shifting the focus a little bit from only the highly skilled immigrant target to something that's a bit more broader based on what's needed in the country? There is an argument, and I think that a lot of employers will be the ones making those calls. I mean, if you're a barista... I can't make a good cup of coffee to save my life. They could be saying you can train Kiwis to do it. Hello, unemployment is at 3.2% right now. So it's very hard to find Kiwis to even do the skill jobs, for example, the construction and those that are so-called the unskilled ones. People are having trouble finding them as well. It gets to a question at that point about who is allowed to come in, because at the moment you have a cap that makes it quite hard and you can only get certain people that fill certain spots. But when those spots are filled and then unemployment in New Zealand eventually goes up because at 3.2 is, I mean, it has to be the floor, right? So yeah, it's an interesting call. I think it's something that policymakers should really be debating, whether it be long-term visas or even a short-term. I mean, we have it for fruit picking. Why don't we have it for coffee makers in Wellington? This is the first time we've seen a net migration loss since 2011, since the earthquakes, right? Mm. And we are not putting ourselves in a position to be able to compete with the likes of Australia, Canada, the US, the UK, to attract the best talent. So I think this is going to be a trend for a long time, not only not attracting migrants, but not being able to retain Kiwis in New Zealand. The, the reality is that this immigration problem doesn't only affect the business community, it also affects the public sector. So the restrictive measure requiring migrant nurses to stay in the same role for two years has been criticised heavily. But Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern has suggested that perhaps nurses who don't want to stay in a role for two years don't actually want to be a nurse in New Zealand. Those rules don't apply to doctors, engineers or various other categories. So is it time for the same rules to be applied to nurses? My view is anything that gets more nurses through the door. I mean, if a nurse stays for one shift and then leaves, that's more than nothing at all. Now, I'm not arguing for a second that would happen, but just taking that analogy, our hospitals are currently overrun. You can't be looking two years into the future on what may or may not be happening. We need people on the ground now. And it is also incumbent on the prime minister to look at the immigration system as a whole and immigration New Zealand and how long it takes for these things to get off the ground. But at the end of the day, I mean, if you're in hospital 
because your lungs are failing or you've broken a leg or if it's COVID, do you honestly care if the nurse is going to be leaving in six months? Do you care if they're going to be leaving in six hours? No, you want to be fixed. So I think those comments by the prime minister, not well-timed at all, given what's happening in the hospital system at the moment. Some of the issues in the immigration sector at the moment seem to come down to processing issues. National Party immigration spokeswoman Erica Stanford said at least 74,000 phase two visa applications were received since March, but barely 5% have been processed by June 17th. Add to the fact that we have a backlog of around 50,000 New Zealand Kiwi passports that need to be processed too. Are there simply just not enough people working in immigration at the moment to fulfill the task that's required? See, I would be loath to comment on the staffing issue on this one because I think that we can get into a pattern by saying we just need to throw money at an issue to fix it. You just need somebody to go in and figure out why there is that backlog and the issue for that. I'd love to know what it is. And I think, um, according to Erica, a lot of that is just the systems in place. Like the IT system is is very last century and a number of other issues that are going on within immigration New Zealand. I wouldn't fault the people there for a moment. I, I think that sometimes the blame being directed at bureaucrats can be a little too harsh. I mean, it's not like they're just sitting there not doing anything. I'm sure that they are. But it's the systems in place that need to be looked at. And I would very much welcome some sort of inquiry into why this is taking so long. Now, the onus to do that has fallen on Minister Michael Wood, who inherited the immigration portfolio from Chris Farfoy. What has his response been to some of these big issues? Yeah, Michael Wood's an interesting one because he is basically seen a bit as the Labour Party's future, you know? Whenever this government um, loses to a national or whatever their coalition will be, Michael Wood will be one of the people that helps pick up the pieces. And being given this immigration portfolio is a way of kind of anointing him to say, okay, he is one of your first tasks. I mean, he's had a number of tasks, but this is quite a big one. In terms of what he has done to do this, I haven't seen any major movements yet. I haven't heard him come out and say we're going to be doing this big sweeping overhaul. I mean, credit is where credit's due. He did go over with the prime minister to Australia to kind of hash out this 501 problem. And they look like they've made a little bit of inroads in there. So untested in the portfolio at this stage, he's been there for a little bit. Chris Farfoy was there for a while. But if anybody were to do it in the Labour caucus, I would say Mickey Wood would be somebody that I would be putting money on. The accredited employer work visa sits at the heart of the immigration rebalance. It is about shifting our immigration system to be more focused on the skills that New Zealand needs, about building sustainable workforces, and about making sure that our migrant workers are treated fairly and equitably, and we shift away from the low-cost labour model that we believe has predominated too much over the last 10 to 15 years. Jason, one comment that Michael Wood has made is that businesses should be focusing on making low-wage jobs with insecure working conditions more attractive places to work. How has the business community responded to comments like that? Well, the business community is obviously not thrilled because they would argue that the government is putting more regulations on them. They're um, increasing the minimum wage. There are a number of other costs. They can't hire staff. They're having to close down. The isolation periods are really having a a massive effect. Any sort of new regulation um, like this, I think they'd be kicking back on. With so much focus being placed on attracting highly skilled staff and high net worth individuals, is this sending the message to other workers living abroad that they're not exactly welcome in New Zealand at the moment? 
Well, I mean, you'd have to look at it that way and say if you're somebody that hasn't got the formal education and the training of one of your peers, only you're allowed in New Zealand. But on the other hand, I mean, you do have to draw the line somewhere. We only have so many resources. We only have so much housing. We only have so much tax dollars. And if you attract high-income people, they're bringing something with them to New Zealand as well. So they're paying for themselves and then others. And I think that is a fair trade-off. Um, and I think if we get to a position where we just kind of lower the bar and just say many more people could come in, we would be facing a number of other issues in terms of housing and, and those aforementioned issues that I was talking about before. So it is a tricky balancing act. And I think it's just almost a perfect storm right now with immigration levels so low, with the unemployment rate so low, with businesses crying out for help. It's not an easy fix. There have been some suggestions that the government is looking at some changes for the partner work visa scheme. What's coming and what will those changes involve? Well, at this stage, it looks as if the Ministry of Business, Innovation and Employment are looking into this, and that's the government's really big policy machine. But of course, this is always going to put a bit of a spanner in the works here in terms of a position like this and a visa like this is so helpful for so many people. If you were to cut it off, you would have severe issues. And I think they need to really look closely before changing this because they're going to get a lot of backlash from the people that have already on the visas um, and say that this is a good thing and people wanting to bring family and partners into the country. We've got such low unemployment and people crying out for jobs to be filled. It just doesn't seem like the right time to be doing it. I mean, pulling that visa, what message would that send to migrant communities who are thinking about relocating here, looking at living in New Zealand, even if they are on the lower wage spectrum? Yeah, it, would send, it wouldn't send a very good message at all. The government, on one hand, they're saying you can come to this country if you're willing to invest tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars in our companies. But if you're a migrant worker and you haven't got the money, well, sorry, too bad. You can't bring your partner over. The challenge for us is the long term. If we want to not have immigration, then we must have it from something else. And that's having a training and education system that's able to create the people that can meet the demands. We have underinvested in our education and training sector for the last however many decades because we had a really easy out through immigration. What you touched on there is the the reality is that New Zealand has always been quite reliant on the migrant workforce that's pushed down wages and it's contributed to a number of infrastructure problems. Is there a risk that a return to what it was might make New Zealand too reliant on migrant workers again? Well, that could be a concern, but then the government would push back on that and say, well, we've already raised the minimum wage, so Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if you're uh, an international worker coming to New Zealand or you're a high school student straight out of Mount Roskill Grammar. You know, everybody is getting paid the same $20 an hour if you're on the minimum wage. But in terms of the infrastructure issue, you know, yes, but we've always had a big infrastructure issue in this country. It's part of the problem of having a very large geographic country the size of the UK, but having about the 20th of the population and a way lower tax base. There is an argument to say more people from overseas, more tax money to spend, but it needs to be incremental because it can't happen all at once. Looking at this issue, do you see any possibility of the government heeding the calls from business and the public sector and loosening the immigration settings to ensure that businesses and hospitals have enough staff? 
I wouldn't be surprised at all to see that happen. I think that the government has probably got a lot of work underway at the moment. I mean, we give them a lot of criticism for not moving fast enough, but in their defense, sometimes you do have to spend time putting things together and it does take time to excuse the cliche, but cross the T and dot the I. And I completely understand that, but what we would need for them is to step up and say, give some sort of direction as to what's happening because the issue is here, the issue is now, the issue might be later, but it depends on what happens happens now. So if the government were to do something, they need to give some sort of indication and they need to give it quickly. And it needs to be something tangible as well. And I think something along the lines of short term, almost seasonal worker-esque immigration status for people to cover some of those non-skilled areas that are really, really having an issue. But then again, I had that analogy earlier in the podcast where I talked about Wellington baristas, you know? I mean, do we need to just kind of live without our morning coffee for a while while we wait for the system to fix? Is that unfair for the business owner? Or is that just the risk of being a business owner? At the end of the day, this is capitalism. These are all the questions, and I'm sure that people much smarter than us are sitting around a cabinet committee debating right now. Thanks so very much for joining us today, Jason. That's it for this episode of The Front Page. You can read more about today's stories and extensive news coverage at nzherald.co.nz. The Front Page is produced by Sean D. Wilson and edited by Paddy Fox. I'm Damien Venuto. Subscribe to The Front Page on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts.